BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024. Join hosts and educator extraordinaires Michal Beton and Noam Weisman for the latest weekly podcast from Unpacked, Wandering Jews as they tackle topics and uncomfortable questions about Israel, Judaism, and Zionism that surround them with the goal of working towards the answers together with their listeners. No matter where you're from, if you've ever wondered about anything, this is the podcast for you. Listen to Wandering Jews with Michal and Noam on your favorite podcast app today. Wandering Jews is brought to you by Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. Hey and welcome to another episode of It Could Happen Here with me, Andrew, of the YouTube channel, Andrewism. And I'm joined today by... It's me, it's just James today. Just James. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a cringe band um, from the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> really, I was not aware. Just out of curiosity, James, yeah. do you play um, any Paradox games? I don't. I don't know what that is. I don't think is that like okay, a type okay. is it like a type of computer game? Yeah, yeah, it is. Well it's like a uh game development company and also they also distribute games as well. Okay. Um, no. You've hit an area about which I have very little knowledge indeed. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, this isn't sponsored. Um it's just uh it's how I ended up stumbling upon this topic, right? Okay. So just, you know, humor me for a second here. So yeah, one of the yeah. paradox games is um, Crusader Kings 3, right? Right, yeah. It's, uh, it's... <laughs> okay, no, I'm really interested <laughs> to see where this goes. <laughs> so yes, it's a medieval grand strategy game. Um, right. It's sort of like, it's it's a combination of like those classic sort of well, grand strategy games and also a bit of Sims flair. Uh, you're okay. playing as a character and you're also playing as that character's dynasty. So you'd, be fit, you'd play as the grandfather and then the father and then the son and then the grandson and oh, so on okay. and so forth. Yeah. Um, 
And so I actually, if you can't tell, I play the game uh, sometimes a little bit too much, um, but I appreciate the role play in the setting. It's it's set between either 867 or 1066 and 1453, which is considered the end of the medieval era due to mm-hmm. the fall of Constantinople to the Ottomans. Yeah. Um. So, you know, at a certain point in playing the game, after playing in pretty much every corner of the map, I was looking for a new religious movement to spread across the map for fun, of course. This is something I do with my free time. And I started reading about all these different strands of Islam that they have in the game, Uh, like the Kamishans and the Ibadis and the Sufris. Yeah. And that led me to stumble across the Mu'tazilism and the Najadat. And please bear with me with pronunciations of everything I'm about to pronounce in this episode. (laughs) But uh, Mu'tazilism and the Najadat, uh, I started digging into this stuff and that led me to make the decision to talk about what I've been learning. Um, And before I begin, I know even the idea of religious anarchisms is somewhat controversial, particularly the discrepancy between the anarchist slogan of no gods, no masters, and of course, the history of various faith-based uh, class struggles. My stance yeah. on it is complicated, but whatever my stance is, I don't think we could deny the reality that religious anarchisms have existed in the past and still exist today. Now, I'm really interested in this. I'm um, I'm just I'm working on a book at the minute um, about uh, like an- anarchists at war, or like I guess. How anarchism meets war, and uh, like, like people variously sort of defining our anarchism narrowly and widely. I, I grew grew up in the early two thousands, I guess, with like the kind of new anarchists, as Graeber called it. Um, right. And there were always amongst that broader movement, opposed to like neoliberal globalization, there were always religious people. Uh, and I'm not a religious person, and right. um, I went to a school where there was a priest, and the priest had been uh, a member of the anti-apartheid movement in South Africa and um, was wanted oh, there nice. and, and had left <laughs> for doing violence again, which like is pretty based. And I, I, so like I have a lot of time for a lot of religious people. And it's always been kind of an area of, I guess, interest to me, um, this like religious anarchisms. Yeah, it, it, it certainly, it has a very uh, eventful history. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk a bit about the rather interesting history of just one tradition. Although the whole thing about the anarchism that I'm going to be discussing is that I wouldn't really call it anarchism. Not, at least not by our standards. Yeah. It's more of a distinct and notable resistance to centralized authority uh, or a minimization and decentralization of that authority. I think it's more akin to like a, a minarchism than an actual anarchism. Sure. Right. But it's still interesting to see, uh, I guess, the seeds of anti-authoritarianism through history, right? Yeah, um, very much so. So th- these particular movements, they have a sort of an anti-caliph, caliph being the religious leader mm-hmm. uh, in Islam. They have a kind of an anti-caliph action that expanded <laughs> into broader philosophical and political conclusions. So... We can start in the city of Basra in Iraq in the 800s, where a discussion was taking place regarding how the Ummah, or Islamic community, should respond to a leader of the Abbasid Caliphate, 
would become corrupt and tyrannical. Now, the two mainstream opinions were that of the activists who believed in staging a violent revolution to instill a new legitimate leader, and the quietists who believed in patiently persevering under tyranny or passively resisting. It's funny how we see these kind of um, ideas about change uh, rearing their heads again and again and again throughout history, despite various different contexts. The other people were like, yeah, let's go get it. And the other people were like, eh, let's rock back a little bit and, <laughs> and, and take things a bit more passively. Yeah. So that's interesting, right? Um, now, Abu Bakr, the guy who was the first caliph, mm-hmm. uh, he made it clear in his inauguration that obedience is not incumbent upon his followers if he contradicts the will of Allah. And for those who don't know, Allah is God in the Islamic religion. Um, And yet the dominant position uh, in Islam has been the quietest position, even to this day. The activist position is less popular, some would say. Some people have this idea that the only manifestation of Islam can be the one seen in the autocracies of Western Asia and the Arabian Peninsula. But even back in Islam's heyday, there were Muslims willing to resist the tyrannical control of even religiously ordained rulers. So back to Basra in the 800s. There was also a third category of solutions proposed, which we can call anarchist in the general sense, but not really in the actual sense. Yeah. Um, most of the Muslim anarchists believed that society could function without the caliph. They proposed a kind of evolutionary anarchism where private property was not abolished per se, but because the ruler was considered illegitimate, the titles of property the ruler granted would also be considered illegitimate. They also argued that the caliph must be agreed upon by the entire community, which is no easy task considering how Islam divided between Sunnis and Shias almost immediately after the Prophet Muhammad died. However... Without this consensus, no legitimate caliph could exist, and it was widely accepted that Allah did not impose obligations that were impossible to fulfill. So then it was reasoned that then there was really no obligation to establish a legitimate caliph if no consensus could be found. So it's a little loophole, basically. We need full consensus. We're never going to get full consensus. Oh, well. Shrug. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then at the time, in the context, remember this is you know, medieval times, you're seeing a lot more, uh, uh, you're seeing several different political configurations and formations and ways of organizing society. So some of them at the time were seeing their neighbors, the Bedouins, and the Bedouins were living without rulers like normal. So they were like, well, why can't we live without rulers like normal? Um, So they used that as a justification as well. And so they also had many proposed solutions ranging from a radical decentralization of public authority to a complete dissolution of public authority. One particular genre of proposals involved replacing the caliph with elected officials, either completely independent of each other or joined together in a federation. And these elected officials would be temporary and only remain in office when legal disputes arose or when an enemy invaded. When the problem was resolved, they would lose their position and society would return to quote-unquote anarchy. There was even a minority sect which called for the complete abolition of the state, called the Najdiya. 
and they argue that if there wasn't sufficient agreement to establish the caliph, there could never be enough to establish law at all. They wanted not just political independence, but intellectual independence. Because, according to them, individuals should be able to reason for themselves and have no one above them but Allah. Basically, the religious uh, anarchist slogan, uh, one God, no masters. <laughs> yeah. Right? But don't get it twisted, of course. All this radical stuff uh, applied to them within their group alone. So if you weren't part of their group, you could still be enslaved or killed. So it's kind of a selective. Mm. Yeah, oh dear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a bit selective in their uh, freedom-mindedness. Yeah. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. 
Then in 817, so a couple of years later, the center of religious power in the Muslim world collapsed. With the fall of Baghdad, the chaos of civil war ensued, uh, but in the absence of public authority, there would naturally emerge an order out of the chaos without central planning. As we've seen again and again and again throughout history, people self-organized to protect themselves and their positions collectively. In times of natural disaster, in times of crisis, people come together without having a state having without a state having to organize them and tell them what to do and how to do it. Yeah. Such has been the case for centuries. And speaking of centuries, we're going to jump ahead a little bit to the 12th century, where we could see a sort of a pseudo-nihilist anarchist movement called the Kalandaria, uh, a movement of wandering ascetic Sufi dervishes from Andalusia and Spain to Iran, Central Asia, India, and Pakistan. Many of the Kalandaria had body piercings and tattoos in explicit defiance of Islamic traditions that regarded such practices as haram. Here's a bit of an interesting story. Uh, one of the earlier divishes of the Malatamiya was once being followed by a crowd of admirers. And in reaction to their praise, he paused, pulled out his peepee, <laughs> and urinated on the ground. So... It's a sort of a radical. It's almost like um, what's name of that Greek guy? Oh, um, the one who like uh, Di- begins with a D. Diogenes. Right. So he kind of, kind of, kind of like a, a Muslim Diogenes. <laughs> um, a sort <laughs> of a rejection of society and a rejection of its values. And so a lot of people, a lot of these dervishes, they chose voluntary poverty and nomadism as a lifestyle. They would reject civilization. They would have an, the sort of an active nihilism directed at society. One of them has been quoted in saying, in effect, that money is, well, I don't know if I could say that. Uh, we'll probably cross that out. <laughs> I think we, um, I think we get, we get the, uh, get the idea. Hmm. Of course, again, not really anarchism in the classical sense or in an actual sense, but a manifestation of one trend within um, or one streak within an anarchist movement. So we can jump ahead again to the 19th century now with perhaps the first anarchist to convert to Islam. Ivan Agrelli, born in Sweden in 1869. Aguerli was interested in philosophy, spirituality, ideology, and literature, and he explored new ideas ravenously. Um, he joined the Theosophical Society in France, and he met anarchist philosopher Peter Kropotkin in London in 1891. Uh, he also began reading the Quran around 1892 and converted to Islam in 1897. And Aguerli wrote about Islam and anarchism fairly frequently, but he didn't really connect them together. However, there was another one, uh, another anarchist who converted to Islam, Isabel Eberhardt. Uh, she grew up in Geneva and converted to Islam around 1896 or 97. Um, and she challenged both Eastern and Western norms through her writings and practi- praxis, pursuing a nomadic lifestyle in Nigeria, joining a Sufi order, and expressing her unconventional spirit 
by dressing as a male when she felt like it, taking on a male name and pursuing a lifestyle of purported promiscuity, journalism, smoking keef, and journeying across the North African desert by horse. Um, I think she would also be considered a figure of queer anarchist history. Um, I wasn't able to find anything about how she identified personally, but apparently... Um, I, so I don't know if she was a cross-dresser or if she was trans or uh, something yeah. else entirely. Right, like you get, especially in that period, like uh, like misogyny is, is so rampant that like it could be necessary to like, I guess, to present as male, even if, if you weren't like trans in your gender identity, just to have access to things that were constrained or like delimited as male, exactly. right? Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's wise to just be like we don't know, rather than to necessarily like lay claim to someone's identity stuff when all we know is their presentation stuff. Agreed. Also, during this time in the Ottoman Empire, there was a not insignificant population of European anarchists, mostly Italians. In Alexandria alone. There were approximately 12,000 Italians living and working, often in the building sector. By 1876, anarchists there had organized a branch of the Syndicalist International Workers Association. And in the early 1800s, Enrico Malatesta and other Italian anarchists joined the Urabi uprising against the British. And this was perhaps the first time that Muslims and anarchists fought a military campaign side by side. Although the uprising was squashed, anarchists were less harassed in the Ottoman Empire than in many other parts of Europe. Later on in 1901, anarchists co-founded a free popular university, the Université Populaire Libre, or UPL, in Alexandria. It provided free courses on subjects like Tolstoy's and Bakunin's ideas, the arts, pragmatic topics like work and negotiation strategies, etc., etc., etc. However, comma, if you were indigenous to the region... Tough luck. Indigenous Aww. Muslim and indigenous Muslims and Arabic speakers weren't really part of the UPL's uh, program, weren't really included, pretty much marginalized from the education entirely. And the UPL gradually became more and more aimed toward and controlled by upper class interests. So that sucks. Yeah, that's uh, uh, yeah. Lame. Very lame. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of disappointments in this episode. People who are like nearly there and then kind of fail, of course. A bit. Yeah. <laughs> but that's 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 part of history, right? This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, 
features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melody. Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Jumping ahead even more yeah. in the 20th century, we got to see the fall of the caliphate in 1924 and two new influential currents of Salafism or Salafism. Yeah. The Muslim Brotherhood, which is known for their social democratic leanings, and the Saudis, who are <laughs> known for their monarchic leanings. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to yeah. put it lightly. Yeah, that's a good uh, generous. Saw, <laughs> yeah, to put sure. it as generously as possible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we even saw later on a sort of an Islamic liberation theology developing that dismissed bin Laden as senseless and lifted up the examples of the revolutionary Babi movement of the 1800s, Malcolm X, and Ali Shariati's quest for a just and classless society. Then there was also a neo-Sufi group known as the Murabutin, the Murabitun, and the Inclusive Mosque Initiative in London, as other examples of, you know, how Islam could be used to resist some Islamic traditions. And there were also several individuals today who have explicitly and publicly self-identified as Muslim anarchists. Not Muslim and anarchists, but specifically Muslim anarchists, including Abdinur Prado and Mohammed Jean Venus. 
That's cool. So that's a sort of a basic rundown. Um, mm-hmm. But I think inevitably with these sort of topics, these sort of fraught ideas, something like an Islamic anarchism, there are going to be some challenges and criticisms, right? Yeah. Um, I Like for one, you know, it's a fairly new concept, the idea of Islamic anarchism. Like I went over, there were certain trends that can be described as anarchic if you're being generous. Um, but the idea of Islamic anarchism, as in something born out of the after development of anarchism and through anarchism as a political philosophy, it's fairly new. Um, and it challenges a lot of the traditional Islamic teachings on authority and governance. So some scholars and practitioners have pointed out that with the emphasis of social order, with the emphasis of authority of the state and the rule of law, this idea of rejecting hierarchy and authority as advocated by Islamic anarchists uh, is, you know, heretical, practically. There's also some criticism that with Islamic anarchism's rejection of all forms of authority and hierarchy, um, it undermines the concept of Tawid, which is the belief in the oneness of God. Um, and by, you know, rejecting that, by undermining that concept and promoting individualism and self-rule, it sort of goes against that teaching. Of course, like I mentioned earlier, there's also this challenge to the idea that Islamic anarchism or Islamic anarchism could be compatible because of the slogan, no cause, no masters, right? Um, of course, Islamic anarchists and other Islamic socialists would argue that Islam should be seen as a liberating force that can help individuals achieve freedom from oppression and exploitation. The same argument is made with a lot of other f- strands of religious anarchisms as well. Uh, and so to bring things to a, a sort of a close, I'd say that, um, you know, like every religious anarchism, like every political philosophy, like every religion, like everything, honestly, people pick and choose, you know? In Islam, you can find elements of quietism as well as activism, detached mysticism as well as pragmatic daily concerns, traditions of violence and traditions of non-violence, moderation and extremism. In anarchism, tensions exist between pacifism and insurrectionism, syndicalism and individualism, nationalism and anti-nationalism, collectivism and individualism, again. Um, and I'm not a Muslim, I'm not a religious anarchist of any variety, but I think that there is room for, even if I may not agree with it in all cases, the conclusions some people draw, I think there's room for these sorts of dialogues to be had, um, I think there's room for exploration to the history of all sorts of uh, historical movements and ideologies and religions and ideas. Um, Because, I mean, there's a whole legacy of billions of people who have lived and died long before us. And I I find it interesting, at least as a thought exercise, um, to see how they came to their conclusions as well. So I hope this episode was thought-provoking, enlightening, and interesting to those who tuned in. Yeah, 
It's it's, it's always interesting to see these. Yeah, like we don't have to agree with all of it, but I think it's interesting to see where people come at these things from. Um, It was, I was wondering if you were going to get to or not, but like one of the things that you saw in um, the Spanish, like not really the Civil War as much, but in the Second Republic was the socialists and and like left liberals explicitly selling out uh, like Moroccan Muslim people and North African people more generally, whatever their faith and anarchists being like, no, we should express solidarity with these people. Uh, like even if if we if they are or aren't, and some of them were part of like they like they were anarchists in Spanish North Africa, of course. But like even if they weren't, being like we should oppose colonialism, right. and uh, like when every other kind of left stripe didn't, um, it's kind of one of the failings of the Republic not to. So yeah, there've been these conversations, I guess, for a long time. And like, it was interesting to hear about those Sufis in Spain uh, and think about how long those conversations have been going back and forth. You know, exactly, exactly. I think the whole Iberian Peninsula is really interesting region in terms of the confluence of cultures. Uh, I did miss that particular um, historical instance in my research, but thanks for pointing it out. Yeah, no worries. I'm a big nerd for that stuff. <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to plug before we go, Andrew? Sure, sure. Uh, so you can find me on YouTube at Andrewism, uh, on patreon.com slash St. Drew. And I've logged off of Twitter. But if you want to get <laughs> the updates, uh, when I do decide to log in to post updates here and there, you could follow me on Twitter at underscore St. Drew. Thank you, Andrew. Take care, everyone. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you, because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.